Our sermon series has included a seeker's Christmas, looking at the shepherds and the wise men, a skeptic's Christmas, looking at Herod and the religious leaders, a servant's Christmas, looking at Mary and Joseph, and today, a Savior's Christmas. We're looking at the mystery of Jesus Christ. Now, probably everybody in here has heard of John 3.16, great verse in the Bible that talks about God loving us so much that he sent his son as a sacrifice for our sin so that if we believe in him, we can receive the gift of eternal life. Uh, John 3.16, great verse. 41 years ago on December 18th, I gave my life to Christ in response to John 3.16. That's how great a verse I think it is. But yeah, yeah. But today, we're going to look at another 316 verse, and it talks about the mystery of Christ coming at Christmas. It's 1 Timothy 316. Read this with me. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body. Now, biblically, a mystery means a truth once hidden, but now revealed by God. A biblical mystery is not a secret that you've got to uh, discover. It's a truth that must be disclosed by divine revelation. And when this mystery is made known to us in a supernatural way, it changes us into children of God. It turns us into followers of Jesus Christ. The, The revelation of this mystery actually gives us a new birth, a new life, a new beginning, an eternal life. The revelation of the mystery of Christ transforms us. And over the last three weeks, we've seen how different people responded when this mystery of Christ being born as a human baby was revealed to them. They responded as seekers, skeptics, and servants. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she had this great mystery of our faith revealed to her by an angel named Gabriel. Mary, a 16-year-old girl, was approached by the angel Gabriel and informed that God had chosen her to be the one that would conceive, carry, deliver, and care for God's own son. I mean, what a remarkable revelation of a great mystery. And at first, Mary's reaction is defensive. She tells Gabriel, there is no way this can happen because I've never known a man. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. Now look at Mary's reaction to this shocking announcement. She's no longer defensive. She doesn't ask any more questions. She doesn't require any more explanation. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And in that moment, Mary surrendered herself, surrendered her body, her entire life to God's use. She yielded her life to give life to God's Son and to nurture him as a child so he could reign over an eternal kingdom. What a mystery. What a response. What is your response to God as he reveals to you the mystery of the birth of his Son? Joseph. Joseph received revelation of the Christmas mystery from a messenger of God speaking to him in a dream. 
Joseph and Mary had been betrothed to be married. Betrothal was much stronger than engagement. Betrothal was a significant commitment with financial and physical and even sexual ramifications. A betrothal was as binding as a marriage. But during the betrothal period, a season of one, often two years, there was to be no sexual contact. There were very strict guidelines for purity. So when Mary became pregnant, that threw Joseph into a tailspin. He knew he wasn't the father, so naturally he assumed that Mary had been unfaithful to him. So to guard his reputation, Joseph needed to break the betrothal. But betrothal was so binding that it could only be broken by either divorce or death. Evidently, Joseph was a good, kind-hearted man because he not only wanted to protect his reputation, but he had no interest in destroying Mary's. So he opted not to make a public display in court. He, He opted to divorce her quietly. He had every right to do this. He had every right to protect his honor. He had the right to avenge his betrayal. But look what happens in Matthew 2. It says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Here's Joseph, a young man, 18, 20 years old, his whole life ahead of him. And he makes a decision that will be with him for the rest of his life. He makes a decision that no one around him would understand. Not his parents, not his friends, not his co-workers, not even strangers. No one would understand the mystery that the angel revealed to him in a dream. Yet Joseph submitted his life his plans, his reputation, his dreams to fulfill God's purpose to protect and provide for the Savior. What a staggering response to the revelation of this mystery. So what's your response? Are you willing to adjust your plans to forego your dreams in response to what Christ has done for you? Or are you more interested in protecting your rights, your reputation, your image before men than you are in fulfilling God's purpose? An angel also appeared to some shepherds tending sheep in a field near Bethlehem. Shepherds held a lowly station in life. They were typically uneducated, unrefined. They probably didn't even own the sheep. They just watched them for someone else. So here they are out in the fields on a cold winter night protecting the sheep from thieves and wolves and suddenly an angel appeared and illuminated the night sky. There is a flash of light that blinded and scared the shepherds. We know they're scared because Luke 2.10 says the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. 
The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Shepherds, these outcasts who were scorned and rejected by the people, these shepherds whose job made them ceremonially unclean, unable even to enter the temple, these shepherds who were simply doing their job, got an invitation by an angel, and not just one angel, but a myriad of them, a heavenly host of angels, invited these shepherds to come into the presence of royalty. Not only royalty, but divinity. Because Christ was baby, man, king, Messiah, Savior, and God, all wrapped up in one little wiggly, crying, sleeping, eating, pooping, and peeing package. (laughs) And I'm sorry to be so blunt, but that's the reality of it. That's the mystery of it. That's why he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, because he's human, he's messy. He is God alive in human flesh. That God, King, Messiah, Savior, man, and baby all came together in a very marvelous but also very vulnerable package. God is now contained in a human body that can die. And as these lowly shepherds had that reality revealed to them, the Bible says as they returned to their fields, they told everyone they met about Christ the King. The angels didn't appear to everybody. The angels appeared to the shepherds, and then the shepherds told everybody else. What about you? Who have you told? This mystery is too good to keep to yourself. Are you praising God for what he has done for you? Has your encounter with Christ changed your life? Has it filled your heart with praise to the point where you can't keep silent? A star shining in the night disclosed to some wise men that the king had come. These magi from the Orient were studying the stars in the sky. They were looking for something, looking for some sign, some data, some pattern that would help them to make sense out of life. They were seeking truth by looking at creation. One of the things I don't like about living so near to a large city is the light pollution that we get at night. You get out away from the city and all the man-made lights, it is amazing how many stars you can see. But in our day, we've got street lights, yard lights, stop lights, headlights, tail lights, Walmart signs, parking lot lights, even cell phones that light up in the dark. All that man-made light clutters up the night sky and we can't see the stars that God has created. We just see the light of our own making. But these wise men, they weren't looking at man-made light. They were looking, searching, seeking for some sort of sign, some sort of clue to the mystery and meaning of life. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The sun, moon, and stars in their course testify of a creator who made it all. Not only made all of the universe, but made all of us in it. And as these wise men searched for meaning in the night sky, God revealed to them a mystery. God used a star to tell them that a king, their king, was born. So these wise men set out on a search for that king. We're not totally certain of the timing of all of this, but it looks like it took close to two years after Jesus was born for the wise men to show up in Jerusalem. Matthew 2, 1 says, About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. 
wise men are excited about the birth of this king. They are eager to meet him. And they learn from King Herod that the king was born in Bethlehem. So they go there to find him. And they do. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. The revelation that the Magi received enabled them to comprehend that this ordinary-looking child in these ordinary circumstances with ordinary parents was the king of the Jews, the king of the world. And they worshipped him. They examined the evidence. They looked for truth. They followed the signs. They believed God's word. The Bible said the king would be born in Bethlehem. And the wise men believed God's word even more than the religious leaders because the wise men acted on the word rather than just studied it. And it led them to worship. It led them to give. The gifts they gave were significant and meaningful. They gave intentionally, thoughtfully, as an act of worship honoring Christ. What about you? I mean, I know you're all running around buying gifts for each other and for your pastor. (laughs) But are you responding to the mystery of Christ's advent intentionally, thoughtfully, giving as an act of worship? Not everyone who knew of Jesus' birth recognized the significance of the mystery. King Herod only recognized the child as a threat. Herod was looking for the Messiah, but he was not excited for him to come. He was disturbed by the news, not encouraged by it. Because Herod knew that when this king came, Herod would lose control. Herod would lose his power, lose his authority. Matthew 2 says that at the news of the newborn king, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? The scribes told Herod the baby would be born in Bethlehem. So Herod sent the wise men there to find and worship the king, but he was really using the wise men to set a trap. He wanted the wise men to come back to Jerusalem and identify the child so Herod could kill him and protect his hold on the throne. But the wise men were warned by God in a dream to go home a different way. Herod was furious. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Herod was so drunk with pride and power that he would rather slaughter innocent children than lose his position. Now, I am not accusing any of you of doing something that heinous. But I think Herod should serve as a caution to all of us. That if we try to hold on to our power, our position, our pride, if we try to control our lives, we may be surprised just at how mean, how misguided we can become. I'll admit it. When I'm trying to protect myself, I can be hurtful. And so can you. We would do ourselves a huge favor if we would take extra caution to not get so focused on our own wants, our own wishes, our own needs, our own desires that we wind up hurting the innocent children around us. I know we think we would never do that. We would never do something to hurt our children, to hurt any child. But Herod shows us what the human heart can do when it's hopped up on self. We need to watch ourselves. The religious leaders were informed but indifferent about Christ. 
When Herod inquired where the king would be, the religious leaders knew right where it would be. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Their religion was self-righteous and self-serving. They were keeping the law, doing good. So judging by their own standard, they were okay. They didn't need to travel the six miles to Bethlehem to even see if the Messiah had come. They were simply indifferent. They had their own thing going on. They were self-satisfied, even smug in their station in life. They didn't need a Savior, not even enough to go check Him out. What about you? Are you indifferent? It would appear that you're not because you're here. But the religious leaders were in the temple. They even studied the Word of God. But that didn't mean they were aware of their need or actively pursuing Christ. Don't let indifference or complacency of a good life keep you from discovering the mystery that God wants to reveal to you. Which brings us to our final point. Has this great mystery been revealed to you by God's Spirit? Maybe you heard it in a Christmas message or a song or carol, a Bible verse, a Christmas card, a TV show, a book. Have you heard the still, small voice of God telling you that your Savior has been born? The message is everywhere. Have you heard it? If you've heard it, will you surrender yourself to God's use like Mary? Will you submit your life to God's service like Joseph? Will you seek him like the shepherd and wise men? Because if you seek him, you will find him. And you too will have a mysterious Christmas because of the Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That's God's part. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's your part, believing in Christ. The mystery has been revealed. How will you respond to it? Let's pray together. If you're here today, it would be my prayer that you would connect the dots, that you would realize that Jesus came at Christmas for you, that Christ died on the cross on Good Friday for you, that he was raised from the dead on Easter Sunday morning for you. And he invites you to respond. And the response is to believe it. To trust in him. Because whoever believes in him receives the gift of eternal life. God, it's my prayer that every person here today will respond in faith, in trust to your revelation of the mystery of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.